This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. is up everybody shout out to all my sinners and welcome to another episode of lead singer syndrome that uh sound at the beginning of all my my episodes with the uh jabberjaw network it's i guess it's uh opening a beer and i've always wanted to do this so let me see i'm gonna i'm gonna do my own opening of a beer here How's that? Is that accurate? Is that does that sound like the the sample? Uh, shout out to Jabberjaw. Uh, there's a few new podcasts on the Jabberjaw Network. Uh, actually, one I just appeared on uh, for Kill Rock Stars. It's called The Future of What, and it is a super cool podcast. I got to be a guest on. Uh, so make sure you guys head over to JabberjawMedia.com and check out all the shows. Uh, summer similar to this one and they're all based around music so super cool network i'm very very proud and and happy to be a part of it so check those out hold on let me take a sip of my beer before it gets warm and we're here hey welcome we're doing it again episode 770 which is crazy last week episode 69 oh yeah 69 you know what's up with danny warstop of asking alexandria was a crazy one I hope you guys listen to it. If you haven't, go back and check it out. It's actually stirring up a little bit of controversy with some of the things he said about the former uh, singer of Asking Alexandria um, apparently using some of his backing tracks live. So go back, check out that episode, check out all the episodes. There's a lot of good ones. And today we have a different episode, uh, a different Type of lead singer because as you guys know if I usually talk to guys in punk bands hardcore bands metal bands stuff like that I don't talk to a lot of Jewish reggae artists like I have today Mr. Mattis Yahoo is joining the show and it's cool I've always been a pretty big fan of, of Mattis Yahoo uh, since our run-in in, in, in Canada I started listening to him and I really enjoy him I think he's very talented and very unique artist and this was pretty cool for me and, and very cool to get his take, you know, on, on his role as a lead singer. Before we get into it with Mattis, a couple things I want to tell you about. The first one is we are on all the social media networks. We're on Instagram and Twitter if you use that. We're on Facebook if you use that as well. So please feel free to get in touch if you've got suggestions for the show. I love to hear the feedback. Also, we have an email address, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. Also, we have the hate line. If you're not too happy about last week's episode, if you're just an angry person and you want to vent, just, you know what? Call me up. The number is 657-666-HATE. That works from any touchtone phone. Uh, but seriously, yes. Uh, call me on the hate line. I will eventually run clips, I'm sure. I've got some good ones in the hate line vault. Shout out to Brennan Potter. And 
the other thing I want to tell you about is the Lead Seeker Syndrome All Access Club. Now, I know I talk about it every week. Uh, it is what helps us keep the lights on around here. If you want to support the show, this is the way to do it. So for as little as $6 a month, you get bonus content. You get to be a part of our Facebook group, which is awesome. We're planning events. Uh, shout out to people in Stockholm that had an event out there for the Lead Singer Syndrome Club. Very, very cool. I wish I could have come out, but Sweden's even colder than Canada and I can't hang. But really, really cool stuff happening. Uh, I don't want to go into all the details this time, but you get a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff for not a lot of money and it really does help us out. So check it out, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. One more thing as well, I am going on a solo tour with my project River Oaks. Uh, basically how it works is I'm on stage by myself. I play all the River Oaks songs that exist. Well, there's only three at the moment, but there could be more coming. I play a bunch of Silverstein song acoustic. I play a bunch of Silverstein songs acoustic and of course some covers. I'm playing Chicago, Las Vegas, Anaheim, Los Angeles, and San Diego. That's in the middle of May. Tickets are on sale now, so check that out as well. It'd be, it's going to be a lot of fun, so make sure you come hang out. JT from Hawthorne Heights, who we need to get on the show. I think JT needs to be on the show, and I'm sure he will. He's opening for me, so come check it out. The link for tickets and VIP is riveroaksmusic.com. Without further ado, here it is, episode 70, and my conversation with Mattis Yahoo. Hey, man. How are you? Good. How's it going? Great, man. Great. Cool. Well, let's do it. Let's do a thing. All right. How's New York? You in New York? Oh, it's, it's pretty nice. Yes. Yeah, like a little bit mild. It's a little, little chilly, but not so bad for February. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, my, my birthday is in the middle of February and I always remember, you know, growing up in Toronto, uh, just like brutal winter storms every year. And this yeah. year it's like, it was nice. Like the whole week of my birthday, like I was out, like the other day I was like on a patio, like drinking some sangria, you know, by the, by the lake, like <laughs> that's never happened in February. So it's wild, man. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, Hey, global warming. Is it real? Is this, <laughs> what do you think, man? It feels like it right now, man. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, it's good speaking with you. Um, we haven't met, you know, we haven't like officially uh, met ever, um, but I want to tell you a quick story. You definitely won't remember this. Um, I believe it was 2000 and, 2005 or 2006, and uh, we were both at the Junos in, in Halifax, Canada. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. And we were, um, we were driving our oh, van. Halifax. In, yeah, in Halifax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what you were doing there if you were... It was the Canadian... Wasn't it like the Canadian some awards? Yeah, it's, some it's, music awards? it's basically the Canadian Grammys. Yeah. I think I, had a, I may have had a show or been... I don't know why I was nominated. I wouldn't have been nominated for a Canadian Grammy, so... I don't yeah. know. That's, I know. I don't, I don't remember I why you I were playing. there. I think I was playing. I think they had me playing at, at it. At, at an event there, yeah, yeah. I think they, I remember. It's well, they have like international awards too. Like I think, like the I remember, I think Coldplay played and the Black Eyed Peas. Like they had you know American artists. But I remember we were driving our van down the street, and uh, one of the guy I was driving, and, and one of the guys in, in my band was like, "Holy shit, that's Mattis Yahoo!" And we look and we're like, you're, you know, you're pretty like unmistakable. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so we um. I was like, they're like, pull over, pull over. I'm like, what do you mean, pull over? Like, just, just pull over, because uh, guys in my band, like, huge fan of yours. So I'm like, I don't know, like, what am I gonna do? So I pull the van over beside you, and I roll down the window, and I'm like, hey, Mattis Yahoo, and you're like, yep. <laughs> and the guy in my band goes, goes, tell, tell him you like the new record. It's like, ah. Uh. So I said that to you. I go. Uh, like the new record and you're like thank oh you God. and we're like bye <laughs> it's <was> ridiculous <laughs> i'm sure you don't remember that but uh no, no. but it's uh -huh. funny man it's a long time ago 
Yeah, that was a while ago. And I remember um, taking a walk. Yeah, yeah, and and obviously, like so much has changed, uh, you know, for you personally, uh, growing up. Just the whole change in image was big. I mean, maybe not as big for you as as your fans. Um, talk a little bit about that, and just over the last, you know, better part of a decade, how you know your life has sort of changed, and what's you know the importance of things. Whoa, fuck, shit, my bad. I just. Closed the window and smashed an ashtray on it. <laughs> UA67. Uh, hold on one sec. Um, well, okay. Let's see. That's, that's kind of... Let me see where to start. Sure, man. Yeah. Start somewhere. Where would be a good place to start with that? Um, with that... I mean, just like what the last... A lot has gone on in the last... Yeah, man. 10 years. Where, where do you want me to start, you know? Let's start from... When you decided, I'm gonna change the way I look. I'm gonna change my appearance, and 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 what what that happened and what the backlash was, uh, if it was if it was different than you expected, uh, you know, based on just someone yeah, looking at I'll you. I'll talk about the I'll talk about appearance a little bit. And um, starting out in I guess when I was in college, I started to really just when I started getting into Judaism, I started to. I was hanging around this band, and sometimes I would play shows with them, and I have to wear a yarmulke when I went in. And that was the first time I ever wore a yarmulke out in public. And then um, pretty quickly, I kind of liked it. I liked I liked identifying like outwardly as being Jewish, and so I got tzitzis because I kind of liked the fringes. And when I first started becoming religious, so I was just wearing my regular clothes, or whatever style with the yarmulke and sitsis, but I was growing my beard out. And then when I got super religious, um, so we'll only really wear a suit and um, have obviously the beard with Chabad, you know, no, yeah. no payas, but just the beard and the black hat. And then I think around, I mean, the first time I ever had an issue with that was like the very first video we made was youth. And, um, they, I remember like shopping. We had to go shopping with the stylist, who actually the stylist turned out to be um, Dave Holmes from the Dub Trio, who turned okay. out to be my band for a lot of years. His brother, Mark Holmes, was a stylist for this video shoot. It was like a big video shoot. It was like Mark Webb uh, directing yeah. it. And um, it was like, you know, still and and the end of like big money video shoots when, when exactly. record companies would spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a video shoot. So, we, they took me to Barney's. I didn't know what Barney's was. I was like a <laughs> student and I was wearing like literally like $6 pants from, you know, whatever, wherever I wear the same clothes pretty much all the time. And, and, um, they're fitting me in these clothes and outfits and stuff. And I was having fun, but I remember like my ex-wife was there and she kept fighting with, with Mark, the stylist about how tight the pants could be, you know? <laughs> and, um, and then I remember, like, on the actual video shoot, they had this track suit they wanted me to wear for the basketball game. And I was cool with it. I didn't mind. And um, I remember, like, my ex, she came, like, storming in the in the room. She was like, you can't do this. I had to talk to a rabbi. And, and, and like, the rub, the rabbi, I remember wow. he told me, was like, what he, this was one of the first times it ever really hit me. Like, man, this this religion, man, I don't know how how, you know. I don't know whose version this is, but I don't know if this is really the right version for me because the rub, his first words to me, he goes, why, you want, why would you want to look like a guy? Look like you know, a what? It's like a guy. A guy is like, is like the, the bad name, like the racist name for everyone who's okay. not Jewish. Okay. You know what I mean? Like we have a name for everyone, you know? So that's like, it's sort of derogatory name for yeah. someone who's not Jewish. So he's like, you know, that was like the first time but I wore it anyway. And um, then from there, I remember um, I started studying another type of Hasidus. This is like another group called Breslov. And there they all have the long payas. So I started growing the payas, which is like the hair, you know, mm -hmm. the part of the, the sides of the hair. So like there my, my look kind of changed and I stopped wearing my hat. And then I started kind of like wearing my street clothes again. Like I stopped wearing a suit all the time. Um, so then that was kind of my like my look for a bit, like around like Live and Stubbs 2. I'm thinking like around the album Light, like 2010, yeah. um, 2008, 2009. And then basically in 2011, 
I was in New York for a period of time, and that was like when I was I actually up until that point, I felt I could wear my clothes or whatever, but I didn't feel I could shave. And at that point, I just said, okay, like I think I can do it. So I shaved, but I was still wearing a yarmulke and stuff. And then eventually I started wearing, really wearing a yarmulke. And since then, you know, I just, my look changes a lot because I kind of like with every record cycle, I pretty much just since then uh, have like shaved my head, shaved my face, whatever. And, and during the off cycle, even when I'm on tour, a lot of times I just let it grow out. Yeah. So sometimes I like the beard grows out and I, I let like my hair grow out for like a few years and it kind of turned into dreadlocks and my hair and my beard are kind of white. So it's kind of like an, an interesting look. Um, yeah, but it's more just kind of like, like kind of let it go. So there's always been like this image associated with me, obviously because of coming out as being Hasidic and making reggae music. And, um, that was kind of like the image was so strong. So exactly. certainly like when I, you know, over time things, things organically like change and my, my, my viewpoints change, my, my philosophy sort of gradually change. but the main real, the main shift happened when I shaved the beard and re was represented by that. Absolutely. And, um, well, yeah, so, Go ahead. Yeah, it's it's like, yeah, you came out and obviously everyone hears about you when you come out as a new artist and you had, you had some really big success kind of right out of the gate, um, you know, uh, and, and Grammy nominations and all this, all this shit. And like you're associated with a religion, you're associated with a certain look. And, you know, what, when you decided, well, hey, I'm still the same guy, I'm still religious. Yeah, there's things that change. Everyone, everyone has, you know, things and beliefs that change. That's just... I mean, that's just being smart, you know what I mean? Having an open mind, and that's just using your brain, and that's fine. But was there backlash from people? Did you lose fans? Did people call you, like, you know, looking like the derogatory word for outsiders? Like, was that something that you had to deal with, and do you think it affected your popularity? You mean, like, after I shaved? Yeah, yeah, it? after, you know, you yeah, after, you know, as things progressed and you looked, you know, more and more... Uh, for lack of a better word, normal. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, there was backlash, but I think, you know, I definitely at that time was like in a pretty sensitive spot because I'll, along with make, making this decision to shave, I was just kind of, I was in a spot where I was like really introspective and I was doing a lot of like work on myself to get to that point. And I think like one of the main like realizations that I had was like, that like people on the internet, like they'll just go, like so many will just go for the lowest common denominator. Of like course. I didn't really explain too much what it was about. And yeah. people automatically just assumed like, oh, he just like, he just sold out or gave up or whatever it was, you know? And it was like this disappointment between religious fans and Jews and also between just like, just regular people. And it kind of like blew me away a little bit. And then, um, and then when I kind of like tried to explain it a little bit where I was coming from, um, but basically it was uh, that was a tough kind of pill for me to swallow. The the main realization after that being that there was sort of a split. Like there's people that love your music, or for me at least, that love my music, and then there's a, a really big percentage of people that knew of me or kind of like liked what I represented. Yeah. And as long as they felt that it represented them, then they were cool with it. But when the second came that it didn't, those people are very quick to kind of turn on you and I was kind of like it was sort of like almost like a like a cleansing for me like yeah. taking like almost like cleaning house you know what I mean like okay I've been doing this now 10 years is my career and you know I found like the spot like I know you know where where my core fan base kind of is where people where where I where I where I sort of sort of ended up after the all the big you know the breakout success and stuff right and um and now it's kind of like okay there's always been like a lot of pressure on me to, to be and do different things even with even with just the music and i've always really been kind of obsessively sort of feeling like as as my career goes on that i have to go really after you know the inspiration for wh where it comes from even if it lets some people down so yeah uh, point being that, like, basically, we just kind of, kind of, kind of emptied out, like, all the people that were just kind of not really fans, and yeah. now it's it's much more about like those fans that are around are really are really the fans. Totally. The well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's something there was something 
you know, from my perspective, and I, I not to, to downplay any of your talent or any of your skill, but it's a bit of a gimmick. Do you know what I mean? There's no one else doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? With that look and everything. And it's not, you know, just about the music at that point. So when it becomes just about the music and it is, and it's still great music, then yeah, then you know, the people that are there are, are the real, the real fans. So it totally makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that must yeah. be, that must be great for you. I mean, I, I mean, I'm looking at your tour dates and stuff. You, you were obviously like, like you said about music videos, not being hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, major labels putting into them anymore. That's changed. Record sales are way down. Nobody sells records like they used to. Um, but you've continued to have a lot of success. Like you're still going into some pretty, pretty big rooms on your upcoming tour. Um, how have you been able to, been able to maintain that? What do you think is the, been the, uh, your kind of recipe there for success? I think there's been like, this, there's been certain things that have happened along the way that have helped out. But in general, I've just continued to tour just just that's what I do and, and that's what's paid the bills and that's kind of like other things happen you make records and stuff but I just yep. try to stay out on the road and then I kind of like just had to always just so for me it's always been about just really the, the creation of the music night to night um, and then like how to really just keep staying inspired doing that because when you're playing music that often it's just it becomes a huge huge challenge figure out how to stay inspired and, and, and make music on that level. Um, and so, so I've had to, you know, I've changed the band. I've done different things. I had different visions with the music gone out in different directions. I've lost fans along the way, you know, and gained other fans along the way. So I think each record I put out kind of did well in different places. Like, like I never had radio love like I did on the initial record, but Um, like Sunshine and Spark Seeker got that whole record got a yeah. lot of like a lot of like video games like FIFA World Cup and um, ESPN and a lot of sporting events kind of used that some of that stuff it kind of got me like a little bit of a, a younger audience and then people really kind of took to one day and really started using that as kind of like a, a real anthem which was kind of what I had hoped but it never got that radio love that made it a yeah. smash in the moment it got the NBC like the Olympics look but it didn't after that it didn't it didn't like smash on radio so basically you know it's just one of those songs just over time just slowly slowly just growing growing so there's those fans that know me for for that kind of thing um but basically i just kind of have formulated a really close bond and relationship with the people in my life like my band that i'm out with and um have just kind of gone tried to really improvise a lot and kind of develop the sound and figure out what is interesting and inspiring for for us and and um, the fans are pretty much you know into it hopefully no absolutely i mean i guess that's a part of your show and, and it's something i want to talk about a little bit you use the word um improvise <laughs> and and that's a big part of your show from what i understand is that a lot of it is there is a lot of improv there is a lot of things that are going to change on a nightly basis within the show um which that's something so foreign to me that concept H- how does that work exactly well, basically, um, I mean, we'll we'll start off, you know, with a song. I won't write a set list. Um, I kind of like to f- try to feel things out. So you don't write and, any. So you have no set list at all. Yeah, no set list. Um, a lot of times on tour, there'll be like a certain set, not really even set, but certain songs that will find themselves in rotation more than others, and that will just kind of happen organically. Right. But they'll be usually like tw- usually like between twenty twenty five songs that will choose bef- between on a on a on a regular tour yeah um and we'll pull out like more obscure songs but basically we'll start with the tune and then we'll play through the, the verse and the chorus and so forth and then around four minutes into a tune we'll open it up and just kind of see where it goes and sometimes over a tour the improvisations will progress in different ways and will become sort of certain improvisations will become normal but most of the time yeah. like what i'm trying to basically do is lead the band into a place where it's re- they're really coming into a place where they even are holding back from the things that they would feel, you know, would be, would work in that moment. So even if, if, even if the music opens up and someone knows that this beat or this rhythm, you know, would work really well, oftentimes what we try to do is just hold back and just wait it out and see really what wants to happen. And, and then a conversation will take place between the musicians and myself. And we'll try to sort of the, the music will kind of go in a direction and it's, it's sort of like 
my example that I like to give is like being in a house and just kind of walking in dif- into different rooms Yeah, and kind of yeah. feeling like, you know, what the light feels like in this room, what the, you know, there's a different atmosphere, different atmospheres, creating different atmospheres. And, yeah. and in there I can, I can vocalize, I can, you know, sing or rap or beatbox or put lyrics in from different songs or combine different lyrics from different songs and trying to create some kind of real organic moment. And then once that happens, it's hard to come back. You kind of want to continue in that in that way. So, you know, we'll continue doing that. Um, we'll use different songs and try to try to sometimes not even stop playing and just kind of let one song kind of blend into another one, change keys even. Wow, um, that's so good. Oh, man. So, Take that sort of journey. You I guess know? you just you you learn. You know, you say you've had this, a lot of the same band members and stuff for a long time, and you've grown into this this relationship. I guess that's a big part of it is just having this, like, where you're almost you're you're so close musically that you're almost you know what each other's thinking. Like you're almost exactly. able to it's get like, inside each other's heads. Yeah, it's like a great sports team that that like knows like when he puts up the ollie oop, who's right. going to be there to dunk it. You know, it's like you know who's going to be where when to some extent, and yeah. you're speaking the same language. Um, definitely like all speaking the same musical language. Pretty I mean, much. that must be so fun. I mean, just to do that every night and especially like, do you have, you know, like, um, I think of obviously like the Grateful Dead being, being, you know, kind of in some ways the originators of that, that sort of idea and having fans following them all over. Is that happen with you too? Do you have like super fans that are coming at every show on a whole tour? Yeah, we have like some super fans and fans that will come to multiple shows or fly out yeah. across the country or drive to a lot of shows. But my fans just tend to be, whoa, sorry about that. That's my fans good. just tend to be such a like extreme mixture of people that come to the music for so many different reasons. Right. Yeah. Um. So there isn't really like one. There is not really like um. I don't feel like I'm, uh, like a culture like there was like Grateful Dead culture. You know, to come on tour. But right. Yeah. To me, like that, that is the goal, you know, and there's been a few bands that have been able to achieve that, but to be able to like, just, you know, have people that are that into your music. I mean, it, it allows you the space to really have a lot of freedom live. Is there a fear when you're doing improvised, like improvised music? Is there a fear that you're going to do the same thing you did last night or the night before? Like, is there a fear and is there like a pressure where you're like, well, we're kind of getting a little bit predictable that around this time we're going to kind of do this and then, you know what I mean? Or, or is that yeah, just absolutely. like, is that, is there a fear there? Is that a conversation that you really, have? It's, it's not really so much a fear as much of a frustration for me. Okay. And for, yeah. You know, certain members, like there are certain people in the band that, that improvisation comes more natural to. And there's others that it's a little more foreign to. And sure. certainly for myself, when I find like that we're op- we're in a space where we're open and we're going to go into something and you can sort of feel that there's something new about to happen. And then someone will just kind of like play something that, that works that they played the night before or even multiple nights in a row. Yep. And then you sort of kind of get, for me, the feeling is just kind of being getting bummed. Like, oh right. man, like why did, like, you know, so, and then, you want to control that though, because you don't want to let you you don't want to let that take you down. But it's funny because you know, for audience watching, you might not have any sense of like the 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 different things that could be making the the artists and the musicians you know emotionally like feeling good or not yeah. feeling good it can totally yeah. affect the the show. So something as simple as like like someone sticking something that I that felt like didn't need to be put there could could kind of bring me down, and and that's one of the places where I have to figure out. Okay, so what I've learned to do is just talk about it and really try to try to like put it out there and say like, all right, dude, like, you know, let's don't just do that. But it's tough. It's tough. Cause for some people it's just not their nature, you know? Well, you're also talking like, I mean, you mean, you mean like having a conversation after the show or whatever. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Well, when yeah, you do exactly. that, the problem though is like over the course of a night, especially when you're not writing a set list, you can't just go in and be like, Oh yeah. You know, when we play this song in the set, uh, like let's just try to do this a little bit differently because you didn't, it doesn't work that way. You're playing for a long time. There's a lot of different moments within a set where you're going to feel different things. You'll be like, oh, I stoked on this. I wasn't stoked on that. It must be difficult to actually remember and communicate in that way when there's yeah. no structure. It's really tough because it's yeah. like you get off stage and almost what happens is you. I almost forget immediately like everything that happened for the most part. It is, that happens often. Yeah. And then you don't want to mention it when it's happening or set break, you know, so you kind of have to like, something like that has to happen several times to where you kind of like, it becomes a thing and then you have to make time to address it, you know? 
That's wild, man. How did you get into like? Obviously, you know, obviously, Raggae's has a rich history of this sort of stuff. I know you're a huge uh, fish head. Uh, is that what they call them? Is that right? I guess. <laughs> you know, uh, like you, you got into the music. What, what, how did that happen originally? Obviously, you have a lot of talent in terms of rapping too. Um, your vocal style in general. Um, I don't speak to a lot of people like you. I speak to more kind of rock guys and and you know metal guys, yeah. punk guys. So, what's your inspiration here? Where did you get into music and and how did this journey kind of kind of start for you? Uh, I always kind of like loved music um, from the time I was a kid. I wasn't really able to play an instrument. And then I liked to sing and I, I would I was in different choirs and choruses and such. Um, and then I started kind of when I came to like, I think Bob Marley really changed everything for me because I started listening to that music and um, I felt that it like spoke to me um, even from like an identity place in which in the sense that all the imagery, Old Testament imagery felt very close to home. And mm -hmm. it made me kind of like want to explore that side of myself. And then at the same time, um, it was confusing because it was a different, totally different culture. And at the same time, it was uh, really just like getting into the music and, and hearing that, that style. And that led me to basically what everyone was listening to at that time was like hip hop music. So the kind of like the new age, like the new era of that style of music was was called conscious music, which was like Sizzla and Capleton, um, Buju Banton, and it was sort of like Rasta um, imagery, but it had more of a hip hop beat to it. And that was where I felt like vocally, I really sat because um, I was melodic. I like melody and I like to sing, right. but I also grew up around, like, even though I was sort of a hippie, all, all my friends just listened to hip hop music. That's all I heard all the time. So uh, that was kind of ingrained. Um, and, and that was what I was, I was sort of into in a way. So I sort of, I sort of, what I started doing was buying um, instrumental tapes. Oh yeah. Canal. Okay. Yeah. On Canal Street. And I, yeah had saved up. I worked at like Borders at the music shop and mm -hmm. bought a PA system and I put it in my dorm room and I would spend most of the day like just playing these tapes that had like Dre beats or hip hop beats or, or even like reggae beats. And I would just write and rap in the microphone and, you know, and that style kind of just developed because that's what, really what I was listening to at that point. And then from there, like the whole improvisational approach to music and the musicality of, of, of the music beyond that, um, I really learned that um, really from those like fish shows. And I, I hate to be like cliche and, and all of that, but really going to those early fish shows like when I was a teenager and having that kind of experience with the music, that all encompassing kind of thing where it's not just a hip hop show really where you're like, there's a lot of energy there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of songs and people know the songs and they get into the songs, but this was more like a fully like religious experience. Right. And I, so I kind of knew like, okay, well, I'm not an instrumentalist. I'm not a really a, a rock guy though. I like rock music, but um, how do I make like hip hop and reggae do that? And so that's really what I, I really feel like the last 10 years of my career, I've been exploring, you know, really, yeah crossing genres and figuring out how how to mix up and blend all those things and where i fit and all that and that's why like, cool. with, with my band for example it's not so simple because a lot of times you know you get guys that all come from the same style the same music and with my band the five five there's five of us we all come from com like completely different places musically so it creates that kind of tension but also the the ability to kind of delve into into different sounds are the guys know? in your band are they religious like you too do you guys is that a part of it at no, all I, no one not? in my band is has ever been jewish actually okay um and i've had like a few but different bands but uh the early band actually the drummer was jewish but just you know the guys that went to school in the new school um and, and then the dub trio um those guys are actually two of them were canadian Okay. Um, and then the band now is my, my original guitar player, Aaron Dugan, and uh, a keyboard player named Yuki from Japan. Uh, been in New York for a lot of years, though. And um, Joe Tomino from the Dub Trio also. And then um, who else we got? Um, Aaron and Stu. Stu, ba Stu on, on bass. Yeah. Stu Brooks. Yeah. So 
you know, everyone comes from a lot of different places, but certainly no one comes from any 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 Jewish. There's no other other Jewish kind of. Um, yeah, no. I just I ask you because I ask you because obviously, like you, you know, you're, you'll you'll never lose. You you are Jewish. You're no, you'll never lose that ever. That's a part of your identity. Um, and obviously, like there's been there's been some controversial moments, like the time was it that festival was it called Robotom or whatever? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where basically they wanted you to. I mean, they want they really wanted to paint you in a corner, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, they wanted they wanted to get the BDS off their back and they felt that the way to do that was to get me to concede to, you know, to just make political statements, to yes. just make some statements that are just so far off that it's like, you know, how, how, how is that hard though for you? Like just as seeming like a guy that wants to get up there and express yourself musically with yeah. music, you know, and then have to deal with that. Um, it doesn't seem like something that you want to deal with, but now you've sort of are forced to in some ways. Um, you know, when people are protesting, waving, you know, Palestinian flags and stuff, and you're like, shit, like, how, do, how am I, how are you involved in that in any way? And what do you, what do you do to deal with that? I mean, I kind of just take it as it comes. And like I said, like in a career like that, that goes on for 10 or 20 or 30 years, like there's just all kinds of things that come at you. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, yep. at the end of the day, like it, it is, it's about making the music and having the relationships with the, the core people in my life and the musicians and, and, um, and I spend most of my time, you know, traveling around this, this country, um, yeah. playing in cities and secondary and third, you know, really small towns around. And, um, you know, it is about the music. That's really what it is. And then something like that happens, you know, I'm in Spain and, um, I kind of just went with it and. In the end, it turned out to be like a good thing for me because a lot of Jewish people that kind of wrote me off as being someone who now doesn't care about being Jewish or doesn't care okay. about Jews or whatever, kind of like, wow, like he's really, they saw the footage, you know, and that was like undeniable. They're like, wow, he really stood up for us or he really, he really represents something still. So in that way, like I found myself coming out of that and being invited to play at like all these fundraisers, accepting awards as like from like, Shimon Perez and the Dove of Peace and like right. all of these different organizations and all I did was just ride that wave like I didn't I didn't push sure. it I didn't even mention it when it happened you know I was like all right I'll take the day off you know what I mean <laughs> like that that's really fine um, so you know you try to keep a good attitude and not get too I try not I try not to hurt myself you know what I mean yeah in the so well it's hard I and mean, it's controversial but I mean you're a guy like I mean you're up there singing about peace you know what I mean you're yeah. you're a peaceful person and you're not ever going to try to tear someone else down you know that's not what you're about so it it must yeah, be difficult and- when someone is trying to put you you know well hey Mattis you got to pick a side here and you got to you know what I mean it's and it's very difficult I mean in your position you know to not alienate people Yeah absolutely Yeah very, very tough. We got to take a quick break to hear an ad about a very unique podcast you should check out. We'll be right back with more from me and Mattis. My name is Melanie Studley, and seven years ago, I wanted to divorce my husband, Seth, who happens to be a therapist. However, we did not get a divorce. Instead, we documented the process of repairing our nearly failed marriage. Part of the power is it's so unspoken. Like, you're such a jerk about it. I would rather be divorced than fight like this all the time. So join us as we interview couples, therapists, doctors, and more on the all-new Stronger Marriages podcast. Subscribe on iTunes or visit strongermarriages.com forward slash podcast. Obviously, you're a family man now. You got kids. Uh, you know, I know you said earlier going on tour, being a road warrior is is a, a big part of your life. How is that now with, with having children, having to leave them behind? Do you take them on tour? How's that dynamic? Uh, it's kind of, it's something that I've just done with them since the very beginning. So that they're, they're used to it and it changes a little bit, like depending on how old they are or how attached they're feeling, I guess at the moment. But, how old are they now? Well, my oldest is 11 and then 10 and then one's about to be six. Okay. And those, those three boys, they have, you know, split custody and they spend half their time with me when I'm home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a daughter that lives on the West Coast who comes and spends um, every month, comes and sees me like three or four days. So, wow. um, 
yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a handful, but I love it. I love having kids. I think outside of music, being a dad is like the thing that definitely brings me the most joy in my life and um, kind of raising these boys. And um, basically, you know, they're they're used to it. They know there's times when I'm home, there's times I'm away. Um, they go to their mom. They love their mom. They have a good time. They've got grandparents. We move back to New York. They've got family around. You know, they like their school. They, they're normal kids. And I'll try and get them to come out like on tour. If, if I'm out for like I'm out for a month, I might have them come out for three or four days. They love it. They love the guys. They know the guys. They're close with the band. It's like a family. Right. So, you know, they've ridden on the tour bus. They've, they've, you know, different kids. My young ones come out with me, you know, for like a month, over a month at a time. Um, so, you know, it's cool. It's, it's, I like, it's great having kids out on tour. I think it's, it changes the whole dynamic. It makes it really creates this kind of family vibe and they're funny. Kids are just funny. You know, my boys are <laughs> kids you know? are funny. Yeah, that's, that's true. Now I love when there's kids around and, and I, I, my band, we don't have no one in my band has kids actually, which is kind of crazy. Um, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I, I understand that. But yeah. It must be a little bit different when, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be doing drugs or drinking heavily, making a fool of themselves when like your children are around, you know what I mean? So there's, I must change that dynamic too. And everyone, maybe it was a little more toned down. Is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, people still have like a good time, but I think it's more like, you know, after the, after the, after the show, you come on the bus, there isn't going to be like a whole massive party going on, but there is going to be like my six year old, like blaring Nacho Libre, like yelling the line. (laughs) You know, people still have a drink here and there, you know, they're still chilling, but it's like, everyone's hanging out with the boys, you know, with the kids and, and just being funny. And it's kind of like being like little kids, you know, cause that's at the end of the day, you know how that is. Like, we're all basically just like big kids out there, you know? Absolutely. Um, That's a good, that's very true. That's very (laughs) true. Now, well, it's true because you know, like I talked to another, um, another artist, uh, um, who has kids and bring them brings them on tour. And, you know, it's kind of funny how, you go from, are you there? Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. I lost, thought I lost you for a second. No, uh, how how um, you go from being an artist and having a tour manager basically bringing you everything. You know what I mean? You're, oh, yeah. what does Mattis need? Oh, I need this. I need this. Get me that. Right. Get me that. And right. you can do whatever the fuck you want pretty much. Do you know what I mean? Right. As, as, a, as a lead singer, an artist. And now all of a sudden you have children and it's like, you're the tour manager. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Does that change? Has that for you? Like, like, I don't really know what I'm asking you to be honest, but like, that was that a big change in your life when you had children and you realized, oh shit, I'm an adult now and I have these responsibilities. Is that a big thing for I you? I think it was what was funny for me around that, which I always noticed, was like being on tour and then coming off tour and being home, and then just basic simple things that you would just you you would would be like basics but that you just you just got accustomed to like having somebody do for you you know what i mean like all of a sudden now i'm in the airport with my boys and like okay i got to go up to the ticket counter and and check myself in (laughs) (laughs) so i definitely but i definitely went on this 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 flip-flop mode and you know i I learned how to how to how to flip really quickly between you know being on tour and having someone there to take care of stuff um pretty much around the clock when you want to having three like insane boys that I have to like, you know, travel with and, and get places. So, um, yeah, man, um, definitely, definitely took like a day or two, but I I got that, I got that flip, that flip thing on a day or two. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. Um, so yeah, I'll talk a little bit about before I let you go, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but, um, you know, Obviously, early on, you had this success, this kind of mainstream success. There was Grammy nominations. And now, you know, you seem very um, content with having a core fan base, um, you know, playing these, I mean, good-sized clubs, uh, being able to do festivals, you know, having these things. Are you? St- is there still a part of you that's always trying to chase that, like, lightning in a bottle? Like, would you want, do you want that mainstream success if you started getting big radio success or, or if, you know, more kind of, that's a great question that so obviously like another musician had could ask that question, you know, because it's funny. You would think that people would ask that question more often, but they don't, you know, okay. I'm glad you think it's a great question. I think it really is because I think that, yeah, I mean, um, of, of course there's like always a little part of you. It's like, you know, it's like, 
the Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? The the dude with the ring. Who's that crazy? Yeah, Frodo. Frodo. No, no, no. The uh, the, the 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 dude who's like a tat who's addicted to the power. Oh, Gollum. Gollum. Yeah. It's like when you get that kind of like flat, intense success in such a quick period of time without yes. even the ability to process My any of it. You know? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like it's always there. You know what I mean? In the back of your head, like. Uh, you know, um, you know, how, how can I make this easier on myself? How can I, you know, keep, keep, you know, how can I get that fast money? Yeah. You know, but, um, I think that like, basically there's opportunity. I think you can be open to opportunities and things can happen, you know, and you see that with a lot of people, a lot of careers where like that'll, that'll take place. But I know for myself, like I came to a place where it's like, I don't want to chase it. I don't have the, the energy. Right. Or the desire to chase it like I did when I was a young man, when I was like tw- in my early 20s, when I was that hungry, you know what I mean? Um, whereas now it's like, no, no, no. Like I, I really kind of like made a, a real choice. And it's like, not that I don't want the success, but no, I, I will not play that song every night. Like, I don't care if it will gain me more followers or whatever. Like if I'm up on that stage and I'm singing and it doesn't feel right and feel real to me, I, ha- I have to deal with that. Yeah. And, that's that's that to me like you know having being able to improvise on stage and just really musically be able to go for what i want to go for and just say fuck you to and you know what any other force that comes into my head that's like well you should do this or you should do that um that's been like a real choice you know i I manage myself like i made i cut out you know we let this last record was self-produced myself with the band i mean Cut out all kind of extra. That's extra literally on forces. my list of questions right there. I wanted to yeah. ask you about. So yeah, go yeah. ahead. Talk about that a little bit. I mean, that's for I mean, an artist like you that that basically you talk about. Well, I never really even checked into my own flights. You know, now I'm like self managing myself and cutting everybody out. You know, that obviously is a big change for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking that's part of that whole process where like even people like that I would have around, you know, that were managing or whatever. I would become pretty attached to the person that is the closest to me in that regard. And I found myself like still dealing with people's opinions about the music and about exactly this topic about whether or not like how to make it more commercial versus basically do what I wanted. And I've just decided I don't, I don't want that conversation to be taking place at, you know, at Mm -hmm. all. So yeah, I mean, I think over the, over time, like you just learn the industry, you know, it, it take, it just took me a lot of time, a lot of trial and error and a lot of, but you basically come to understand when you've been doing it for a while, how it works and what you need and what are the, what are the right type of people you need to have around you and where, what, what's the right type of help that you need. It's just like any, any business that you get to know. Yeah. Um, so it's been good for me. I mean, it's been, it's been good because on the contrary, it's like, I haven't eliminated people. I've, I, I've become actually closer and get given people like a lot of, you know, responsibility and, and whatnot that are the people that I've really chosen, but the, the outer people that kind of like, you know, you're like, okay, I need to have this guy or I need to have that. You know, those are the people I kind of got out of my life. Well, you know, there's a lot of, um, I don't know. There's a lot of snakes, man. And, um, the problem with, with the, the, some of the big managers and the big names and those people is a lot of those people have gotten success and where they've gotten not exactly above board, you know, uh, working with multiple artists, basically like, Oh, who's nominated for a Grammy? Well, I'm going to nominate and I'm going to want to work with them for a while. And then when that success fades away, they move on to the next and, and you know, and, and they've been successful, but it's a lot of times the best management and the best people in the industry are the people that have stuck with one or two artists through the tough times. You know what I mean? And, and, um, and it's definitely hard sometimes to see, you know, who are the good, who the good eggs are and who the bad eggs are. That's definitely a problem uh, that I see all the time. Yeah. Stuff, man. Uh, A couple more questions. If if you got time, Uh, I want to ask you about the stage dives that you do uh, at your shows. That's like kind of a recurring thing, right? Getting in the crowd. Um, yeah, it sort of it was, and it kind of went away and then came back, and now <laughs> kind of went away again, just because for a different reason than before, but just because 
I always, I remember like the first stage dive was never like a calculated thing. It was like yep. on the first tour I went on, it's like, just like you not knowing how to handle the energy of the music. Like when it would get to a certain climactic point and yeah. like, what, well, what comes next? What can I do? Oh, like just completely drown in, in the crowd and the audience. And so I would do it and it became like a thing. It was like, okay, the stage diving Hasidic rabbi, like yes. it became a, <laughs> a real thing. And I would do these epic stage dives off like incredible like off speakers over like massive gaps like i really like feared for my life like many times <laughs> um and then it got nixed by you know the rabbis like it's not really so kosher and then i stopped and then i started again but basically uh now i just kind of like I, I don't know if i'm just like i just got to a point where like okay it's not it's not necessary right <laughs> right well you must have hurt yourself enough times I, too i mean you get older like you know, I'm 30, I'm 36. Yeah. And, and like when I do that kind of shit and I jump in the crowd or whatever, I, you know, the next day I'm like, oh man, there's like bruises on me. Like, yeah. you know, and, and when I was you know, 10 years ago, I didn't even notice. <laughs> so yeah. that's gotta be a factor. Yeah, it is. It is a factor. And I think it's also just kind of like, okay, like I think that I, I, I got, I got to this place where it's like when the music, when the music gets to that point, I'm, I'm able to contain it more and able to try to like, kind of dip back into the music as opposed to kind of like uh crossing the threshold you know there's there's another way to bring the crowd into that level of feeling like at one minute with the band without actually having to jump into the audience and sure. sort of my focus became more about like okay well how do i how do i create that without actually you know kind of like the trick of jumping into the crowd you know what i mean I absolutely get it, man. I absolutely get yeah. it. Uh, I got one more fan question here uh, from Alina, Alina Anglin. She wanted to ask you, um, what was it like going and meet, going to meet and sing with the PS22 kids? I'm a public school teacher, too, and we often listen to One Day. I cry every time I watch those kids. They are awesome. And I watched the video, too. It is pretty cool. Yeah, that was great. I mean, those kids were awesome. I've done it a few times where I've worked with public school kids. Oh, yeah. Um, and that, that was, that, that particular one was great just because of the level of like professionalism. They were, the oh, kids yeah. were amazing. The, oh, yeah. the, the choral director was amazing, but yeah, I love kids. I love doing stuff with kids. My, my sister's a teacher and, um, that's been a huge thing. Like a lot of kids, a lot of schools and camps and stuff kind of using that song and, um, it's pretty, pretty awesome thing. It's totally awesome, man. Well, thanks. What's uh, what's coming up next? You got a tour coming up. Tell the people about that and any record plans. What are you up to there? Yeah, we got a record. We got a, actually a single being released on Friday. Oh, okay. Well, it'll um, be out when this comes out. It'll be out. What's it called? It's called Step Out Into The Light. Well, I'm going to play that right now. Step Out Into The Light. Uh, yeah. Let's play that on the show right now. I always play music at the end. Um, and when's your tour start? Tour starts on uh, March 6th, basically. And we're running, um, doing states this summer with UB40. New record coming out in May. So it's like all good stuff. New music coming out. It's beautiful. Are your kids coming on this tour with you? I'm working on it. I'm trying. <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see how it goes, but I'm working on it. Thanks, Mattis. Anything else you want to say? Um, no, I'm all good. Dude. All right. Thanks a lot for doing it. Thank you for, thank you for doing it, man. All right. All right. Yeah, take care, man. Peace. All the best. So there's my conversation with Mattis Yahoo. Such a rad dude. So great to see him doing so well. And just, man, what a conversation. That is just so much stuff to take away from that. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not Jewish. I don't have, I don't know that much about Judaism, to be honest with, with you guys. So that was cool. I learned some stuff. And uh, it, it is really, really quite amazing what he's doing and what he's done for so long next week we'll be back of course with another episode this show will always be free don't worry but if you need more if you need more access to me to other fans and more content please again check out leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access for the all access club speaking of which big shout out to these people for supporting the show so much on the all access club jessica blasio wow what a contributor. Thank you so much, Jess, for being so rad. Alina Anglin. Hey, you got your question asked today. Very cool. Awesome. Michelle Tiu, Eric Layton, Connor Larson, Paul Paseni. What up, Paul? Austin, my one name guy. Love you, Austin. Brendan Ray, Trent McDougal, Brandon Drescher, 
Christina Fickett, Connor Lynch, Brandon Dave, Philip Fradkin, Mo Horda, love you, Mo, Josh Vandruff, Elise Van Howe. Elise, thank you very much for the birthday present. That was really, really cool. I'm just getting into the book now. Aiden McLaughlin, Julie Arquetta, Travis Hardy, Cole Fenn, Johnny Caro, Victoria Var Anderson. I hope your hang in Stockholm was rad. Drew McDonald, Andre Nielsen, Will Souther, Southard. I don't know. What's up, Will? Markham King, Alexander Terry, Mike Valdez, Kimberly Burgels, Christian Harris, Ray Stino, Shannon Caswell, who sent me the most beautiful birthday package in the mail. Thank you, Shannon. So rad. Jordan Reed, Roldan Cabote, Tom Mancini, Gabby Marshall, and of course, my boy from Toronto, Rajal St. Pierre. Thank you guys so much for being premium members on the All Access Club. You guys just are so rad. Hey, thank you again. If you guys like the show, we'll be back next week. Tell a friend, tell a loved one. Let's keep this thing growing. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I will leave you with a tune. Here is a Mattis Yahoo classic. It's called King Without a Crown on Lead Singer Syndrome. But you can't deflate your ego You're already there, then there's nowhere to go Your cup's already full, then it's bound to overflow If you're drowning in the waters and you can't stay afloat Ask Hashem for mercy, he'll throw you a rope You're looking for help from God Yeah, he couldn't be found Searching up to the sky, looking beneath the ground Like a king without his crown You'll keep falling down And really want to live, but can I get rid of your crown You're trying to reach onto the heights and run down Bound on the ground, giving up your pride Then you heard a sound Out of night comes day, out of day comes light Myself to you from the essence of my beginning, I sing to my God. Songs of love and healing, I want Mishiak now. Time it starts a beating. What's this feeling? My love will rip a hole in the ceiling. I give myself to you from the essence of my beginning, I sing to my God. Songs of love and healing, I want Mishiak now. forgot when I was talking to Mattis I did say I was play his brand new single it just came out on Friday it's called step out into the light 
Check it out. Here it is. We'll see you next week. Watch the way that the wind blows Watching faces out my window To the people on the grind To the country out its mind Half grins, half spun like a dreidel No middle to my know-how Slow down for the show now I'd rather be alone than explain how Wake up and walk out Take up and take out, shake up and shake out My demons waiting on every corner just to pull me down They follow me around, they're in my blood as the leaves hit the ground And the wind from the willow My only shield is the sound My feelings releasing these sounds Get free in these sounds, let it bleed in these sounds And these verbs and these nouns and these words Build a boat, take me through stormy seas till my feet hit the ground Melodies come back to me now, come back to me now. Ancient melodies come back to me now, come back. Stop and ask the question. Like Nachman, I lose the vision. Enter to the fog, driving down this mountain to the ocean floor. Where you've never gone before, open up the door. To a room you've chosen to ignore. Swimming in the ocean of fear. You've been swimming in the ocean of fear. Through the unknown and the unclear. The unknown and the unclear Fear of your life, fear of your life Could open as tight as this world That you made examine inside Take up and take out, shake up and shake out Shake it off, gotta shake up the vibe You've been traveling in the speed of light You've been searching
Just a little bit.